Okay, right. Welcome, chaps, to Acting 101. I see we have Adam here and Keith. Hi. How are you both? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Thank good, you. good. Cool, cool. Right, now, we're going to go into emphasising even the stupidest of dialogue, okay? So let okay. me uh, give you something off the top of my head. I want you both to say, Eldrad must live, but with the most expression possible. Adam, do you want to go first? Eldrad must live. Mm, yeah, yeah. Keith, do you want to give yeah. it a go? Eldred must live. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, Jean, Jean, hi, hi. You're a hi. bit late. You heard what was happening. Could you, uh, could you try it? Yeah, sure. Eldred must live. Sladen-like in its brilliance. Sladen-like. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Staggering Stories Podcast 343. I'm Adam. I'm Fake Keith. I'm Jean. And I, yes, I am... Only still alive because he begged last time. Yeah, yeah that, that's true, that's true. I'm a miserable uh. leader. <laughs> and here's the news with El Presidente. Doctor Who news. Oh, yeah. Okay. Big finish for the monthly range. Mm. Start digging the grave for Big Finish's monthly Doctor Who audio range as it has been scheduled for death. <gasps> January 2022 will see the release of the 275th main range Doctor Who audio, the last in the line that started back in the last century, 1999 to be more specific. 22 and a half years of non-stop Doctor Who stories with not even a single 18-month hiatus. Had they continued it for just a few more years, it would have run longer than the original TV series. So close, yet so far. Um. All is not lost for Doctor Who at Big Finish, however, as the classic Doctors featured in this range will continue, but now in box set form, much as the new Who and assorted spin-offs operate now. Justifying this change, Big Finish's baldy, beardy, weirdy-in-chief Nick Briggs said, As well as making our range much less confusing for Big Finish beginners, these changes will allow us more exciting new possibilities and creative freedom. By freeing the 5th, 6th and 7th Doctors from the constrictions of the monthly adventure schedule and giving them their own distinct ranges, we will be able to introduce more surprising cast combinations, different story lengths and more story arcs. No mention was made on if there were any financial and sales components to this change of direction, but we can probably assume the monthly range was suffering as compared to the box sets that have long since been their mainstay. I quite like the monthly stories, and it's nice to have a story that you can dip in and out of. I mean, some of them are almost like a mini box set where there is a theme that runs through, hmm. like the Zagreus stuff and that. But then there are well, some that run their own. But <laughs> it is an awful lot of original stories to find. And mm. I think some of them, there, there is a bit of a feeling with some of them that they are churning them out rather than... Quality. Yeah. They are all, they are all really good quality. Oh, but, they are all really mm. good quality, but they, there comes a point where it's like, OK, what what can you do new with this? What new ideas is there? And is it burnout yeah. for the writers? Mm. Oh, well. It's a shame. They could have got it to 300. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a shame, certainly, because mm. the, the price of the... Monthly, the discs are what twelve seventeen. Yeah, well, yeah, about fifteen pound officially. I think. Yeah, yeah. well, the the box sets are forty two. Yeah, it varies on box sets. Some are twenty twenty five. Yeah, particularly if you get get in there early when they're exclusive to the website. Yeah, but some of us don't get in early because we can't afford it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that, that yeah. is the one thing I think. Um, I, it'd be nice if they still do things like the short stories and that, which are a little bit more reasonably priced. And 
you get like a little mini adventure. Mm. Mm. I'm yeah. not sure. I'm 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 sliding to the not convinced, and might well have to reassess my big finish range. Mm. I'm a long way behind. I think I'm up to 150. Got a lot to catch up on. That's for that's, sure. That's <laughs> roughly where I am. I think. <laughs> yeah. DC Wonder mm. Woman 1984 delayed. What really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wonder Woman. 1984 has for some time been rather jumpy about its release date originally planned for late 2019 then running away to june 2020 now as we approach that revised date it has fled again this time scurrying off to the 14th of august 2020 if we all approach it slowly and quietly, it may just <laughs> settle there. <laughs> Principal photography finished in December 2018 with reshoots in July 2019. Naturally, the 2020 pandemic has affected its release after the first bump out of 2019. Although currently Christopher Nolan's Tenet is remaining on schedule for a cinema release on the 17th of July 2020. Perhaps rather unwisely. Mm. Wonder Woman 1984 may yet become the first true blockbuster after the pandemic or perhaps still be too early. Time will tell. I was in a shop the other day and I didn't hear the full broadcast because I was only half listening. But on one of the radio stations, it was saying two of the big cinema companies are looking at being able to reopen their cinemas by the end of July. I'm at the end of July? Yeah. Mm, I'm assuming that's going to be View and Cineworld or Cineworld and, and Odeon, something like that. Have to yeah. sign back up for our unlimited yeah. cards. Yeah, but, yeah I cancelled um, mine. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see, but all of those of us that like to actually have a seat on our own with space around us <laughs> may be in luck. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know how they're going to do it. I, it Are you going to have to pay for two seats? No, I, rec- no. I reckon they'll just they'll remove half the seats. Yeah. And so if there's a group of View, well, then you just don't have to sit separately. I'm sure we, I'm sure people can survive. <laughs> yeah, but it'd be more economic for them if there's a group of four of you to sit you together. Yeah, yeah. gaps they're, either side. But you can't, you can't trust people, though. People will just, you know, we've seen we can't trust people. Yeah. Well, I mean, someone was saying to me, well, you know, that won't be very economic. If you go to a cinema outside of that first week or two weeks when it's mm, a blockbuster, yeah. you quite often, I mean, I've been in a cinema where we didn't have to worry about socially distancing because I had one half of the screening room and the other bloke had the other half of the screening room. <laughs> Moomins. Yeah. Moomins. There were three of us there. Yeah, well. so they've run for a while on their big blockbusters and then the others. It is a case of stuff. Some stuff's got to get up and running, but not fully, just for everyone's sanity as well as anything else. Yeah. yeah. And is it me, see. or does Wonder Woman 1984 make you feel really old? Because that's making it sound historic. And I remember 1984. <laughs> I was working yeah. and grown up and had left school and everything. Really? I, I was still at <laughs> school. <about 10>. Just. <laughs> yeah. I was a year away from meeting you. Yeah. And you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Puts me in a wonderful like that. You were at school the year before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was a oh, child primary when school I too. Met, I was a child when I met you. Thank you. <laughs> do we I love have you any, too. <laughs> do we have any addendum? We do. I, I, I have oh. a big finish addendum. Ooh. Ooh. All right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, or at least last month, the announcement of Time Lord Victor. Victorious. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, now Big Finish is getting into the uh, arena with yep. uh, releasing, or not releasing, but initially publicising the Paul McGann incarnation of Victorious uh, Time Lord Victorious. I know. I've ordered it. You've ordered okay. it. Already. <laughs> I pre-ordered it. It's Paul McGann. I pre-ordered <laughs> it. There is. Uh, we shall see. T- at least two discs so far. One called He Kills Me, He Kills Me Not. That sounds okay. cheery. And the other one yep. is The Enemy of My Enemy. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm trying to flick down, see whether it's got a release date, because I'm release- reading it from the actual uh, blurb here. Uh, November and December, respectively. Hmm. I wonder how long that's been in the can for, if they've recorded yeah, that remotely. I've got no idea. I've got no idea. So I know they have been recording remotely. They've yeah. got this yeah, new that- thing with uh, Tom Baker and uh, David Tennant. They have, yeah. 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 They've, they've the recorded Earth, at home. I think, is the, have, yeah. you, have, have you seen the pictures of um, Peter Davison set up? Yeah, in his cupboard under the stairs. In his cupboard under the stairs, <laughs> with, with like round paper plates on the wall. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's got the fleece box on the outside of the door. <laughs> yeah. I think um, quite a few of them have set up sort of like little box rooms and spare rooms into recording studios because all Big Finish need to do is send someone round in a hazmat suit and set up the technical stuff. Yeah. Um, mm. Then they just spray it down and can go in. <laughs> I suppose for some of them it's also helpful because once you've actually got that in there and you've got a sounded soundproofing room, yeah, I, I can do your voiceover for commercial during lockdown or even yeah. after lockdown without having to go <laughs> in the studio. See, Pete Davidson's in the uh, closet. Yeah. <laughs> um, they are also doing a short trips for Time Lord Victorious. Okay, yeah. Called Master Thief by uh, Sophie Isles and Lesser Evil. Oh, really? oh yeah, she's been she's very excited about it. She's been tweeting about it a lot. <laughs> oh right, I didn't and know Lesser, she wrote as well. And Lesser Evil by Simon Girria. Uh, now these right. are these are short trips, but what has intrigued me on the cover of this because they've produced the cover, you have mm-hmm. Ainley's master and Roger Delgado's master. Yes, I noticed that. Be a short trip. It's an audio book. It's, yeah, it's more of an audio book rather than a, rather than a, rather than a play. So you, it, it is. You can get away with using uh, <laughs> yeah a, a characters whose actors are dead. Be yeah. very disappointed if they don't get at least one <laughs> into it. <laughs> well, there, there was, I think, at the last Hooverville, uh, well, the mm-hmm. one where uh, John Colshaw was at. Mm. All right, yeah. And he did mention that he was practising his master voice. Ah. Oh, did he? Yeah. That's probably for one of the Target books, I, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not denying that, but I'm just saying, hmm. <laughs> yeah, I wonder who's reading these particular no, I, I, short I, trips. I don't yeah. know, I don't know yet. It's not in the uh, little list that I've got here. Uh. That reminds me of a photograph someone put up on Facebook today, which I thought quite amusing. And it's an old black and white, and it's got John Pertwee's back as he's talking to someone, and Anthony Ainley giggling manically and looking, and it says, absolute evil. And on the back of um, John Pertwee's jacket is a handwritten note that says, exterminate me. (laughs) Very childish. Yeah. (laughs) Any more addendums? Nope, nope, I'm addendum Uh, now. I've got a quick one, quick one about The Mandalorian, season two. It has been confirmed it will be on Disney Plus in October. Ah. Okie dokie. So they, they have managed to, or are in the process of finishing it up, so despite we're gonna, all the madness. We're going to have to hope we can nip back across quickly and get the episodes. Not that we did that last time. Not that we did that <laughs> well, last time. Well, this time, no. this time we can actually get them in the UK. Yeah. Oh, they're actually doing it at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yay. Because we do have Disney Plus in this country now, unlike back last. in November. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever uh-huh. it was the dark yeah. times or at least they were the dark that, times who knew they what were, was to follow yeah, that's what did that we know. was in an earth that was Aye, that was in an earth that was <laughs> okay so that's the end of the news okay we have all been watching the telly because there's absolutely nothing else to do <laughs> I've been sewing I've been knitting I've been tiling my kitchen <laughs> Went to Don't B&Q. we live glamorous lives, dear listener? Yeah. Well, Keith, Keith changed a door component. I did. I did. Yeah. And, and I've been painting Daleks. Yeah. But so in, the in, meantime, our downtime, <laughs> in our downtime. In the meantime, we've been watching some DVDs. Yes. Yay. And because he'd never seen it, did calls himself a Doctor Who no, fan. I know. We decided, <laughs> for Adam's sake, to watch The Hand of Fear, which, of course, is mm. Doctor Who. Pause for music. Mm. Come on then, Adam. It's what? nearly 50 years old and you never saw it. <laughs> Give us your I... views on The Hand of Fear. It's a four-parter, which is pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, there's not a great deal that goes on in a lot of the episodes, but it's entertaining with it, oddly. So episode one, there's a quarry accident. Yeah. Unbelievably, they, they materialise in an actual quarry. Yeah. They don't immediately think, what planet are we on? <laughs> <laughs> Is this Telos? Is it uh, a Gazani, maybe? in them at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Is this the only time they've actually matured in an actual quarry? A a quarry appearing as a quarry. A quarry, yeah. (laughs) Am I the only one who thinks it would have been slightly funnier if they'd materialised in a quarry, but it was actually a studio set? (laughs) 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 Maybe they ran into the Blake 7 uh, team. yeah. Yeah, so then... For reasons which are really unclear, they don't check the site is clear the moment they're about to use the plunger to blow up the uh, side of the quarry. In their defence, I think they might have done. 
They'd done yeah. the checks and so were watching the uh, perimeter to make sure no one else was there. We're getting ready to do it and then the TARDIS materialised. Because that guy was screaming at them, wasn't he? Yeah, was why, the why, why didn't that guy have a walkie-talkie? <laughs> That is a good point. <laughs> because I'm not sure if they existed back then. Yes, oh, yeah. I had some when I was six, and that was nice. You can bet the production team were using them doing that shoot. <laughs> okay, because it's a plot hole. <laughs> and the fact that, you know, he's clearly making the cut signal above his head to the other guy, the guy working the plunger, but he does yeah. it anyway. <laughs> His name was Bob, and every company has a Bob. Oh, you yeah. Know, oh, no, God. no, Bob. <laughs> so Sarah Jane Smith, the companion for this story, gets buried under rubble. As you do. As you do. But she's fine, of course. But she does find a hand. <gasps> hand of fear. Well, this is her investigative journalism coming into play here. No yeah. one else but her would have found that hand. No, it's true. In fact, we skipped over the entire beginning bit where they show the Castrians. Yeah. Who all in all encompassing parkers for some reason. <laughs> it was cold. When you see them at the end of the story, they don't wear any clothes at all. Ah, the famous nude scene. <laughs> <laughs> on on the um explosion in the quarry, I did yep. like the re- doctor's reaction. As soon as he realised Sarah Jane's buried, he's really kind of like frantic about digging her out. Mm. It doesn't matter about him. He really does kick into protective mode. That's because she was yeah. his best friend. Yeah, and if he breaks her neck or back or something when he's throwing rocks around, that's fine. Yeah, or if he moves one rock and the massive big one falls down and squashes yeah. her, that doesn't matter. Yeah. But he got yeah, her out. <laughs> anyway, of course, she was holding on to something when she uh, was pulled out pulled out of the uh, r- wreckage. A hand. <gasps> and he's taken off to hospital with the hand, gripping hold of it so hard they couldn't get out of her, her hand. <laughs> and then, oddly, there's a professor, is it? Uh, what's his name? Uh, professor Watson, is it? No, mm-hmm. he's the yes. other guy. Yeah. Carter. Carter. Dr. Carter. Dr. Carter. Carter. He takes this stone hand and he convinces there's something special about it. Rather than it just being part of a statue or something, he's off scanning it, electron scanning, and why? Well, it did did look a bit weird. It wasn't, you know, you find a statue hand and they're not usually that dark. Also, it was in a quarry, not in a museum. And if it was a statue hand, they would still want to know when it was from... Because what age it was in that quarry? <laughs> well, it was, yeah. Also, it is implied years. that the remnants can influence organics. Ooh, mm. so oh, yeah, do- definitely. So Dr Carter at that point was that under point, the influence because, already. Because he, he was a maybe. weak man. <laughs> well, because he'd spent most amount of time of it mm. around it other than Sarah. It took its time to click in with him, but it ah. did influence... I thought it influenced his actions. Oh, it certainly did by episode oh, three? By mm. the end of it, yes. Before his untimely yeah. plummeting death. <laughs> yeah, which is impressive. That was a good Oh, well, it's a very good fall. Because yeah. wasn't in the um, in the making of documentary, was he the one who said, oh, I could, I could do that, I can fall yeah. on that. Yeah. And then yeah, saw yeah. the how stunt high. guy do it and how, how high it was. Yeah. Went, oh, no, I can't do that, nope. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not going to risk her. So, yeah, yeah, Sarah then ends up in a nuclear power centre in the middle she, of a... She's nu- possessed. She's oh, possessed. Again. Eldred Mastley. <laughs> she has, she's managed to remove the, the ring, ring of Eldred from the hand. Yeah, she had a yeah. lot of dialogue and I did think she did very very well oh yeah she did amazing <laughs> with her dialogue does, does good possessed how many times can you say so what, what did we think what did we think of the castrians I love the outfit for Eldred the female Eldred I think, yeah uh, Judith Paris the I think it's a stunning outfit and it's yeah. one of the first times where you had a costume where they very much were a humanoid but weren't yeah. that it was so nicely done it wasn't trying to look like i don't know a globule or something yeah. like that it it was very it did have that look of sort of like crystal and stone it was it was as if it was blending to her skin mm. whereas his mm. looks like they'd just gone oh crap we need one for the bloke and grabbed what they could from the uh j- yeah. the jumble sale box and yeah, sprayed the, it blue the male version if it is female male is hard to tell the gastrians but mm-hmm. yeah it was much less well realized yeah i got the feeling as well with this that the doctor twigged that Eldred wasn't all she appeared to be. Although I think he was quite grateful that Eldred had absorbed the radiation so Sarah Jane was still okay. Mm -hmm. I really got the feeling he was trying to 
get her off the planet Earth. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, I'll take her home. It, it, it was more like he knew something wasn't right there. Mm. Well, Eldred had killed a few people yeah, by this point. She was throwing her weight around a lot, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. The Doctor did try to excuse that an alien doesn't understand what these organics are and you know, frightened away from home, away from her, yeah. its people. But yeah, they did try to make out that potentially she was a good character. Mm. But this being Doctor Who, of course. Yeah, she wasn't. <laughs> alien. Aliens are nasty. And yeah. the um, the Castrians themselves, pretty much cutting off their noses to spite their faces, you know, committing yeah, mass suicide, essentially. Just a tad extreme. Yeah, we're going to wipe out, out our people. entire civilization, but we have got the moral high ground and you've lost. <laughs> Like think, after World War Two, the entire planet decided to kill themselves because yeah. we had produced Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did kind of wonder what Eldred had done. I mean, he, he, she says that the world was pretty much like it was before it created the barriers, barriers. and everything yeah. else. So for them to actually banish it, to then commit suicide afterwards. You well, kind of wonder what it was that he, she had created. Uh, yes. Had they genetically mut- mutilated the race in some way or what have you? The impression that I got was the race itself was facing extinction. The, mm. the sun had virtually died. The, the planet had been ravaged by the solar winds. And it was the fact that Eldrad built these barriers and uh, sustained the civilization. And then because they wouldn't do what he wanted, he wrecked them and destroyed mm. them. And they may not have had the facilities to rebuild them. So they may yeah. not have had a choice to try to survive. They mm. were extinct. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Maybe. They were silicon-based too. Which, yeah, yeah. And there's this whole cock and bull story that Eldrad gave about their planet having been invaded by another silicon-based life yeah. form. Which the doctor didn't quite believe. Yeah. Going, going back to the nuclear power plant, Glyn Houston mm. was absolutely wonderful. Yeah, that was Watson, Professor Watson. Mm. Yeah, he was he was excellent. Stuck in that one tacky room. Yeah, he was he was one of the best characters in it. And so, what sticks in my yeah. mind is the phone call. Oh, yes. and this little girl and answered the, girl, the phone. Yeah, yeah. can you please, <laughs> instead of shouting, and be, this was probably the last time. Yeah, so he didn't want that to be his daughter's yeah. last memory of him. Yeah, yeah. it was low-key. It was yeah. done very sensitively, mm. and us as the viewer, you knew that this was his last phone call, or potentially. Yeah. Mm. His wife would have hung up being suspicious, but he was trying to make it not his last call, yeah. so to yeah. speak. Mm. Yeah. Just another day at yeah. the office, I'll be working yeah. late. Mm. And yeah. I thought it, that was that was so well underplayed. Yeah, mm. but he, he, he was one of the best character actors of his age. Mm. He was mm. he was good in everything he was in. Mm. I must watch Chernobyl at some point, actually. See how similar it is to this story. Probably not very. Probably not very. <laughs> no. <laughs> but they did actually film in a real nuclear yeah, did. power plant, yes. yeah. which yeah. is pretty incredible that they'd allow them to go and film. Just wander there. through. <laughs> Mm. Okay, bits of it were clearly set. Yeah. Like the control the, the, room and the outer chamber to the, yeah, the, the reactor, reactor core. Yes, I'm guessing they didn't yeah. let them wander into the core just for a, a really no. good shot. The external, no. that is definitely a power plant, and I can't yeah. remember mm-hmm. which one it was. But Well, it said uh, Nunton, didn't it? Oh, I don't it, yes, but I mean, in yeah. reality, it's... Uh, yeah. So what what did we think of Sarah Jane's leaving scene? Well, she wasn't... It was all very last minute, wasn't it? Um, have well, you watched they, the documentary after about yeah, it? Yeah, they were they were saying that what was written was just really not good at all. I think it, yeah. it was the equivalent of, oh, I'm going to stay here, Doctor. Oh, all right, then see ya. Yeah, yeah. the whole leaving scene is basically a workshop between Tom it's and Liz. Yeah. yeah, they did it yeah. themselves because nobody else knew the characters as well. Mm. It is an odd exit, but mm. at least they, the actors brought something to it. Yeah. But do you imagine how annoying it must be? I can't take Sarah Jane to Gallifrey, but I can take yeah, Leela, Gallifrey. I can take Teague, and <laughs> yeah, I can take yeah. Nissa. I mean, yeah. every other companion, just not Sarah Jane. Yeah. <laughs> She's the, a journalist. You can't trust them. <laughs> <laughs> and the um, the sad thing is, the um, according to the documentary, the whistling Daddy Wouldn't Buy Me a Bow Wow, that was Lenny Main. Yeah, she the, the director. She yeah. couldn't whistle, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So the last we hear of Sarah Jane, at least until the five doctors, is actually not her. her. (laughs) It's some bloke called Lenny. (laughs) 
the Dalek. Incidentally, <laughs> uh, I think the last time you saw the Tenth Doctor from Sarah Jane Adventures, mm. they swapped roles. Mm. It was the same was lines. Whistling. It was mm. the same oh, really? lines that you had. That don't forget yeah. me. Oh yeah. yeah. But it was the Doctor saying it and Sarah giving the responses. Mm. They, oh, they, they I... flipped it. Never. Mm. Well, obviously not having seen this episode much. Yeah, I've seen. I had seen that final scene a few times in yeah, various yeah. documentaries, but yeah, I hadn't realised. Uh. She does have the honour of being the only ca- uh, assistant that actually gets a freeze frame when they yes. leave. Oh, I None of them silence. <laughs> I think got silence, but she got the freeze frame. She um, did. I think she's one of those assistants, like. Rose Tyler is for New Who. She was one of those pivotal assistants that actually laid down a lot of the foundations on what an assistant is or will yeah. be like and that kind of stuff. And you can see it right the way through to them now, even through to Rose Tyler and the like, which is why I think this story in some ways, it it may not be the best of them, but it's, it's no. Sarah's last story. And yeah. I think that's actually more of the impact of it than anything else. She was as close mm. to a perfect companion as it's possible to get they've Mm. all got flaws they've all got things that you want to strangle them for (laughs) but every single story she was in you'd watch it from beginning to end because she was she was just good yeah and they clearly having a good time her and tom yeah Yeah. you could tell that they were if not completely rewriting lines certainly putting their own spin on it yeah yeah i liked the bit in the hospital or was it in the um the nuclear power plant where he he's had to punch her out and the first yeah. thing she does when she wakes up is go, oh, my chin hurts. And you, 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 can, you can see him wanting to change the subject. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would say it's a bit of a shame that her final story, she gets possessed. Yeah. Why? She got uh, possessed in all the others. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, if this were a new Who exit for a companion, certainly a companion of her stature, yeah. it would be all about her, this story. Whereas the actual ending is very tacked on. Mm. That ending could have been at the end of any story. It's, it's a shame it, she it didn't get to a... go to Gallifrey and finish there. Yeah. Mm. This story is all about her in a weird way. Mm. Although she isn't... She isn't Sarah Jane Smith. She's been taken over by Eldred. It would have been very easy for Eldred to have become the main lead in this and sidelight, mm. you know, almost have her hypnotised sitting in a corner staring at the wall. Because although she isn't Sarah Jane, she's got Eldred's hand, it's still all her. She's the key. F- Even when Eldred's become developed, it's still Sarah that's the centre that you could still notice. Yeah, the Eldred version of her has still got some of her personality somehow. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, it's true she gets quite a lot of screen time but it isn't about her as a character, it's just that she's got taken over. Yeah. Whereas if yeah. it were New Who, generally there'd be a lot more about the character and the reason why they had to leave. And In their defence, they did give her her own series later. <laughs> they did. <laughs> And then they tried to be before that even. Yeah, <laughs> we don't want to talk and about that. Sh- yeah. <laughs> and also in their, in their defence, there's a very strong possibility they did write this before they knew she was leaving. Mm. Yeah, possibly. They did leave a good chunk of time at the end. There was a good few minutes at the end after the story itself finished for their... Goodbye. Their, their goodbye, mm. yeah. There is, but you would have had to have had the whole story written specifically for her if this story was this story was written just as a story and then she left at the end, which is effectively what happened. Yeah. In reality, she announced pretty quickly before she went that she was leaving. They yeah. didn't have mm. the space to write a bespoke story for her. I know what you're saying, because in uh, Resurrection of the Daleks all the way through the story you were given hints that Tegan had had enough Mm. and Mm. it wasn't too much of a surprise at the end when she decided to go but yeah Yeah. like you said in this it was just another day at the office followed by pretty much can't take Sarah Jane to Gallifrey for some unknown reason yeah and I think particularly the previous companion Joe Joe Grant that final story of hers there is much more about her Mm. and her getting close to Clifford or whatever his name was so that end it felt justified Joe's exit whereas this didn't so much it's just a she's telling the doctor I'm fed up with this but not really meaning it and then the doctor gets this call and eh, mm. i don't know but then yeah. her her successor was fared pretty much as badly in that shows not yeah. the slightest interest <laughs> into this lad and suddenly says i'm staying here and marrying him <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah do- oh. classic they who's not got a good, good handling track record female no, characters yeah. it, it, they opened the door and booted them out the tardis yeah <laughs> oh sometimes they just vanish in the middle of an e- a story yeah. 
Yeah. Ooh, well, and Polly. Yeah. Ben and Polly. <laughs> but there yeah. again, at least uh, they tried. Harry. <laughs> Harry never got a goodbye story. I'm no. sorry. No. <laughs> so apart That's... from betraying Sarah in such a harsh way. <laughs> <laughs> they say she did get a, a lot to do after this. The characters came back a couple of times or three times, really. Yeah. More, four times, however many. Obviously, you've got Canine and Company, you've got five doctors. You've got that you've... god awful thingy with EastEnders. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, do we get that? <laughs> uh, I'd like to get that. Yeah. The Sarah she, Jane Adventures. Mm-hmm. Sarah Jane Adventures, that was after. She came back as the first mm. returning companion in New Who from Old Who in School Reunion. Yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think she did all right. Yeah. Adam, did. did you think The Hand of Fear was worth the wait? <laughs> yeah, it's quite good. I think there's probably a version there which is a bit faster paced, but it's often true with uh, Classic Who. But it did seem like the first two episodes, not much happened. <laughs> it wasn't until episode three that Eldred actually turned up. Mm. And I think this is the first time Ireland's mentioned. Yes. Oh, what, with Gallifrey? Yes. Yeah, Gallif- uh, somewhere Gallifrey. In Gallifrey. Perhaps yeah. it's in, in Ireland, probably. Yeah. The daughter <laughs> <of my idea. laughs> well, of course, forget all the script and that, the plot and everything. Yeah. We need to talk about Sarah Jane Smith's attempt to look like a cross between Andy Pandy and Kiki <laughs> D in Don't Go Breaking My Heart. She okay, knew cosplay would be a big thing and gave cosplay ah. as a perfect outfit. I remember when um, Wataka got the role, one of our listeners yeah. said, why are they dressing that woman like a child? It's because they've <laughs> always done it. Sarah Jane was wearing the sort of outfit that me and my sister were being dressed in at that time, and we were six. I, I think oh, we really? should also explain to maybe some American listeners what Andy Pandy is. Oh, Andy Pandy was a, a puppet Show for children in the 60s and very early 70s. He lived in a box with Luby Lou, but apparently this was acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> and perhaps she had very comfy shoes too, which uh, maybe dungarees, it all fits. <laughs> I didn't know it, did she? As you say, the, um, the, it, it was a kind of, I think it was an in-joke within the story as well, because they do make that reference. Sort of like, they do. Remember, yeah, yeah. Looking yeah. like Andy Paddy. Yes, like Andy <laughs> and apparently that was an off-the-shelf outfit they bought for her. All they did was add the three stars. This is the thing, because she wasn't very tall, was no, she? She wasn't no, the tallest no. of women. Did they no, no, accidentally go to the children's <laughs> section and get her this? I don't know. I have vague memories of the 70s, and it seemed to me that all women wore dungarees in the 70s. No, there's a lot of dungaree wearing going yeah. on. Yeah. Okay, yeah. listening chaps. We would like to know what you all thought of The Hand of Fear, because we know that unlike him, (laughs) you've watched it many, many times. (laughs) So do write to us via show at staggeringstories.net. Crumbly, who cannot be here, has sent in some audio, I believe. Only a 30-second recommendation. Here it is. What does he recommend? Hello, Crumbly here. I have a 30-second recommendation for you all. It's the Netflix series Snowpiercer. Set several years after Earth enters the new Ice Age and is inhospitable to life, the remnants of humanity are all together on a gigantic, miles-long express train, perpetually circumnavigating the world. The society on board is segregated and harshly stratified, with the rich at the front of the train and the poorest at the back. The train is a microcosm of human society, with the have-and-have-nots divided, with the atmosphere on board ripe for revolution. Based on the 2013 uh, movie of the same name, it examines themes such as social repression, dictatorship, and people revolting against the inhuman conditions in which they are forced to live. I'll be back later in the show with some more thoughts and feedback, so I'll see you all then. Bye. Once upon a time, in a galaxy far, far away, (laughs) there was a federation, and the federation bred dissidents, and they were called Blake's Seven or otherwise known as Robin Hood and Little John in Outer Space. Pause for music. As intros go, that one was a bit odd. <laughs> it's odd, and it is this galaxy, there is an Earth. Yeah, yeah. Yes, there is. But we just start off on Earth, don't we? <laughs> it wasn't long ago, it's... It's it was long calendar. ago. It's in the it second was 1978 calendar. and 1981. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sometime in the future, dystopian future, of course, 
Only that's, the best. That's the, now, isn't it? that's the one we're living in now, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the first thing I'd like to say about Blake Seven is I'm yep. not entirely sure because this was BBC, wasn't it? BBC. Yeah. Indeed. How on earth was this allowed past the censors? It's wow. clearly a fetish's <laughs> dream. I mean, for Lots crying out and, loud. Yeah. Well, there's one episode <laughs> where the guards were. They were just gimps. They had their studded leather. And then you then you come across slave and master. I mean, what the hell? Most of the, the outfits were BBC actually from the um, dodgy shops. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they were. This is temp- but most people back in the 70s wouldn't be aware of that sort no. of thing. No, no, I, I wasn't. This was, um, this was created by Terry Nation, so, you know, uh-huh. the love of Daleks yeah. and that kind of stuff. So expect a couple of Terrence, and there were indeed a couple of Terrence yeah, at least. Were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least two. At least two, yeah. I watched all of these when they were transmitted. Mm-hmm. I've only re-watched season one so far and the first episode of season two. Mm-hmm. Liberator a and B. always was probably one of the prettiest, oh, yeah. most iconic-looking models yeah. of ships ever. Um, but yeah. I was actually surprised how little of these stories I remember or rang a bell. Some of them I Me remembered, um, but mm. some of them I, I really didn't. I have mixed feelings about Blake Seven because it, it really was a mixture of Robin Hood and almost looked like some reject Doctor Who stories with a bit of Star Trek thrown yeah. in. They didn't seem to spend an awful lot of time fighting against the Federation as more no. helping people out. It'd be a very different programme today. When we were watching it, I think the first season we were able to say, oh, that episode was basically oh, so-and-so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But the first episode, we are both going, oh, that's the Sunmakers. Yeah. Yeah. It that's is very much Sunmakers. I've only seen it. recently reviews the Sunmakers and I've got an awful, yeah. the same vibe from yeah. it. Mm. Yeah, the population drugged yeah. and, yeah. Exactly. And you had, yeah. you had one where um, Tarrant and Dave, uh, Blake Tarrant? were on a planet to get like in the Star Trek with Kirk and the Vaughn yeah. or what yeah. have you. Yeah. Arena there's a, there was a, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of similarities. I, I loved Blake Seven. I still lo- do love Blake Seven. The fact that I'm going to finish mm. watching them this evening. Even <laughs> after. But my main gripe was with the, some of the character development or lack of. Yeah. I adored Callie. We named our yes. dog after Callie because we got our old English sheepdog puppy when Blake Seven had just started and she had floppy hair as well. So we called her Callie. <laughs> um, but Callie had the potential to be the most interesting character in the entire thing. But she was yeah. so poorly used Mm. and then the episode where she died off camera it was a case of you know this person's been with you for at least three four years and it's a case of oh where's Callie oh she's dead you sure yeah okay what's next yeah Yeah. (laughs) absolutely that was the same with Gan at least when Gan died Blake had a little moment on his knees looking sad you know Mm. and as for you know Jenna let's just not bother looking for her (laughs) no well went off with Blake yeah yeah. I think there was a mutiny halfway through and uh, certainly with the two women which eventually held up with uh, Jenna not wanting to return for the second series yeah because they were so they were just stuck behind the teleport third yeah I was watching this and I, something struck me very much with Callie and Jenna. Which one's Anna Freed and which one's Agnetta? Oh, God, yeah, <laughs> just a bit. <laughs> Yeah, had an Abba, Abba, uh, group going on there. <laughs> oh, totally. It's almost like, yeah, we, we really want to get the two girls from Abba looking here. And, but that was, yeah. another, that was yeah. another thing. Um, I know you had it with Avon on Villa, the sort of the snipey mm-hmm. bit, but that was mainly Avon. Oh, yeah. But there seems to be this inability to have two strong female characters together without making them snipe at each other. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you certainly got yeah, that it's a shame. in uh, the first, uh, the episode after she appeared with the um, aliens yeah. in the sleeper ship. Yeah. yeah. You know, so oh, more aliens. Mm. Oh, how can we trust this one? Yeah, yeah. it was. It was a bit. Well, a bit yeah, cheap. but at least she was a new character then. So there's reason why they wouldn't necessarily trust mm. her. But, yeah. I always found it that you had the different characters. There, there were certain things I found weird. Was it was still called Blake Seven, even though Blake left it after the second season? Yeah. Well, it's still <laughs> his group, isn't it? <laughs> but I loved Villa. Villa probably yeah. had to be my favourite character. And so I loved Callie and Jenna. Mm. To an extent, with uh, oh god, what's his name? Avon. Little John. Gan. 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 Yeah, I quite like Gan. Although I, I loved 
Avon's sniping and that kind of stuff. But he wouldn't have been there. He was the one character that never fitted right for me in any way. And it's is nothing to do with Paul Darrow. <laughs> the character itself, he didn't have a reason to stay with them. The rest of them had Not a reason. Really. He didn't. He could easily have gone off on his own and been successful robbing banks and all the rest of it. He wasn't interested in the liberation movement. It didn't give him anything, really. And I never understood why the character stayed. He didn't seem to have any loyalty to them, although he was in his own way. But he was the square peg in the round hole. In reality, he wouldn't have been there. I don't know. I think he recognised that was the safest place for him to be. And I also think that he had a thing for Callie. Mm, Oh, yeah. several times where you know that that really nice speech where he said i don't understand why people are expected to say how they feel why should they have to do that their actions should speak for themselves callie or jenna mm. callie definitely mm. callie. definitely callie yeah it is blake and jenna yeah, yeah. i also yeah. think yeah. for motivation there was the technological superiority initially to, to begin with of the liberator attempting to understand that mm. yeah and then orak of course and orak oh, yeah. yeah yeah talking about that there's one wonderful line that we've recently seen that sticks in my mind where i think it's villa Blake explains something. Villa turns around and says, um, but I don't follow you. With immediately Avon, oh, but you do. And that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, he, Avon is definitely the breakout character. Yeah. And after Blake leaves, it basically becomes Avon's his seven. program. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is the thing. I think the first, the first group knitted together very, very well. They all had their mm-hmm. flaws. They all had their good sides and they worked together well. Later on... Uh, you ended up with Tarrant, who I think was just a bully. Yeah. Dana was, was okay, but I I never really liked Sulin. So I, mm. I do often wonder if the fourth season was a good idea, because it did yeah. kind of lose its way. I, I, I certainly get the feeling, watching it, that Tarrant made a play for leadership. Yeah. That, and that mm. came out oh, yeah. as bullying. Yeah, it's interesting that they have this dysfunctional group going throughout the entire thing, mm. which is very different to what we would have seen with Star Trek at the time, original Trek, yeah. which would have been showing on BBC Two or whatever at the time. And even Doctor Who, you have the conflict with everybody outside the main group, but you have the Doctor's companion or companions, and they're yeah. a tight unit. Mm. That's an interesting take on sci-fi, which we hadn't really seen much no. at that point. Well, the other a- thing that came up in this series, which was pretty much a first for back then, was for the arch-villain to be a villainess and to yeah. be a very mm. strong... Assertiveness, <laughs> but who could still have yeah, moments of being <laughs> fragile and that kind of stuff. Yeah. She would still have so a, a, a wobble, so to speak. <laughs> she um, was amazing. She, she was also so went... over the top. <laughs> she was, but she also bought all the fa- fabric for her costume, for her clothing from the same place the doctor does. Because if you notice, Serve Land wore white <laughs> everywhere, but not ever a drop of mud. The one where they found Orac, where her and Travis had to go down into the ditch. And I said, oh, white clothes, that's a bad idea. Not even a drop of it on her boots when they waded through. She was attacked by a She fell over at one point. (laughs) (laughs) How the hell did the costume department keep that costume that white? I don't know how they did it. No, I have no idea. Speaking of Travis, of course, we had two Travises. And the second one, the first Travis, was contained evil as all hell a sociopath mm. total sociopath second travis Clever. who was meant to be the yeah. same person was nothing but a thug yeah he was a thug yeah, yeah literally it a thug, wasn't yeah. as good a performance as the first one it wasn't such an in-depth character Mm. Yeah, they they should have killed Travis Hoff and just created a new yeah, character. Yeah, I don't yeah. know why they didn't. Obviously, there's history there which helped with the plot, but you can work around that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I love the entire premise. It's, on paper, it's a convicted pedo. Yeah. He <laughs> yeah. turns terrorist. He gets together a group of criminals. Except Callie wasn't steals a some high-tech weaponry yeah. and attacks a state. <laughs> Pretty cool, isn't it? <laughs> I, I, I do like the fact that whatever point in time this is, even though the allegations of paedophilia were totally and utterly... Fabricated. Uh, fabricated. Oh, yeah, they weren't... I they do were. like the fact that it is actually still considered a highly offensive criminal offence. <laughs> Bloody well think yeah. so. <laughs> yeah. But 
It's for the BBC in the 1970s. Savile probably advised them. Yeah. Can you yeah. imagine that being used as a plot device in this day and age? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you also at the time... I that, could, actually, yeah. I think it was the second series, the episode Shadow with the, the drugs. Oh, the drugs. It was just, um, what's his name from Brushstrokes and his sister walking around. <laughs> they they look like heroin addicts. Yeah, yeah. I saw this the ending once. I, I take ending. it that the Federation won at the end of the day. Well, it's left unclear. Yeah, but it's implied. Yeah. It's implied they, they won, although obviously when they, they shot it, they didn't expect it really to be the end of the, the programme. No. Mm. So they, they clearly had an out in mind. Yeah, because uh, the only one we know is definitely dead, who I think is the actor insisted on the fact that he gets splattered in blood, is Blake. Yeah. Yeah, Gareth Thomas wanted a definite ending. Especially yeah. Villa. He, he kind of hit the ground and you didn't see anyone shoot at him. No, <laughs> yeah, preemptively. <laughs> which, is, which is very <laughs> Villa-like. Yeah. Yeah. There's a fabulous piece of fan folk music based on the on um, Blake 7. It's called Trooper oh, yeah. Grey. And I hope right. it's on YouTube somewhere because it is absolutely brilliant. It finishes with a couple of lines. It's the final scenes of them all dying. And you've got right. Avon yeah. standing there with his gun. And it's, it's <laughs> yeah. sung from the point of view of one of the troopers, Trooper Grey. And mm-hmm. it goes, I didn't know his name, but he didn't look quite sane as he stood there just daring us to fire. Me and Jimmy creep behind him and we got there just in time to see him raising up his gun a little higher. Well, Jimmy shouts out duck and what a stroke of luck. The other lads at once they quick obeyed because this guy, he stands his ground and he fires off quite a round before Jimmy blows his brains away. (laughs) 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 And it's very, very good. There's been a lot of talk on and off since... Since then, about a remake. Mm. Skyward going to do one at one point, yeah. but it all fell through. I, it would be a totally different programme now. They would. Times has moved on. What is and isn't acceptable, filming styles and tastes have changed. So it would be totally different. But if they ever did it, I hope they do keep the Liberator. Yeah. And Brian yeah. Blessed and his trainers. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> Was he wearing trainers? He was wearing white <laughs> trainers under his You get a shot where he walks back over the teleport system and you can definitely see his oh, yeah. feet. Um, <laughs> also, another... F- find the uh, the link. Yes. Duel. Yeah. Um, there's this big space battle, but you don't see it because, you know, that Budget. would cost a lot. So you've got them yeah. basically describing it a lot mm. from yeah. dramatic angles and this mm-hmm. guy has gone in and done the battle scenes it's, CGI'd on, it. it's on youtube and it's, oh, really? it's absolutely fantastic <laughs> who's it yeah. by right it's called dual 2020 and it's by oh. good grief man what's your name no 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 don't play the music <laughs> who's it by keith by the howardski We'll send you a link and you can chuck it at the end. <laughs> but it's really yeah, worth a look. It's very, very good. He, he's done two. He's yeah. done Duel and Time Squad. Oh, yeah. The the first section, he's cut out a little bit of the dialogue, especially where they're playing with the uh, notepad. And drawing things, mm-hmm. yeah. And he's re- yeah, drawing on the Yeah, he's replaced screen, it yeah. completely with CGI. Ah. And he's rescored yeah. the music as well. It's an interesting one to do a CGI because the effects in it are weird. Sometimes you have a model shot and sometimes you have an animated yeah. Yeah. version it of the was, Liberator. There was a lot of... For no readily apparent reason. Yeah, there was a lot of animated Liberator in the first and second season, if I remember rightly. Yeah, but, yeah. although the model shots for it are incredible for the most mm, part. Yeah. Yeah. Why would he ever animate it when you've got such good model work? I have no idea. Considering this was done on a very similar budget to Doctor Who, and even had less most were well, probably less, and had a lot of the actors that were in Doctor Who appearing in it, there was an awful lot hey. of OB outside, outside recordings. Yeah. There, there was yeah. studio stuff obviously the liberator and everything was studio bound but there was a lot of genuinely outside rather than green screen yeah. or or studio makeup yeah, you, had, you had a couple of quarry bit of quarry work going yeah. on yeah. Um, oh yeah yeah a couple forest of work forest, forest work yeah and yeah. again yeah. what reminded me of Sunmakers is they seem to use the same tunnel set, uh, locations mm. yeah bit of pertwee side going on definitely the odd industrial complex yeah. Yeah. well I mentioned the um the complete lack of love for anyone after they've died stroke left the most moving death (laughs) in the entire thing was when zen got destroyed because he referred to himself in the first person for the first time Hmm. and apologized for letting them down and oh and a lot of it was sold on the fact that michael keating is an excellent actor and he looked 
devastated. Mm. But yeah. Ma- Michael Keaton is an absolutely lovely man. Mm. Not so long after Blake Seven was aired and that I was green rooming one of the conventions and we had um, Michael Keaton and Paul Darrow there and Peter Davison and the rest of it. And Michael Keaton was an absolute sweetheart. There was <laughs> two of us green rooming. He, he was just like put his hand out to grab something and we were there giving it to him. And he was such an understated person. He was like, I really don't know why they want to see me. You have Paul Darrow holding court. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. In, in a, you know, kind of. A, and you had this other person sitting there kind of like almost like, well, yeah, I was only in this. And it was like, yeah, he really was such a love, very intelligent, very funny, such a lovely man. And still is. Oh, yeah, still He's is. Still with us. And as Crumbly isn't here, I think I have to point out that he does appear occasionally in EastEnders as the vicar. He does. He was the vicar yeah. in EastEnders. Yeah. Hmm. I saw him not on stage not that long ago. Uh, oh, the BFI did a Blake Seven mm. thing. Must have been last year when he was at. I just thought there's something we must point out for our American listeners. Mm. This was the Michael Keating before... You had Michael Keating. Michael Keaton. Because there's Keaton yeah. and there's Keating. Yeah, no, Michael, yeah, not Michael Batman, Keating not definitely Keaton. isn't Batman. <laughs> no, no, no. Although make I'm, a really sure, fun in Batman, I'm sure though. his nipples are magnificent, but... You know. <laughs> Actually, he would make good Alfred, I think. I think oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Certainly now. Yeah, particularly now, yeah. And we, you really should uh, listen to some of the big finish. Yes. Yep. Particularly the full cast ones. Yeah. As we said, a lot of these stories back then were very of the week. Mm. Monster of the Week, they yeah. became some of them for some reason. The big finishes are, are much more sophisticated, cool. generally, the stories. Have we got any of them? We haven't got any of them, no. Oh! Yeah, i just been listening to a, a Crossfire, and there's an interesting episode where Villa and Callie have to go on to a space station, and Callie is projecting confidence into Villa's mind. He's, <laughs> Why didn't they think really of that funny. before? <laughs> Yeah, a really funny, interesting character. <laughs> and then, of course, her link breaks down and he's back to his cowardly ways. Oh, brilliant. So is really good. In the series, they made very little use of her... Um telepathic abilities I think one of the things we when we look back at these stories like we look back at Doctor Who at that point in time unless you were there and even if you were quite often you were young didn't realise how many of these stories were actually making a point about things that were going on in society at that time Hmm. and it would be interesting to see how Blake (laughs) Seven if it kept that same theme core theme what kind of um, subjects it would address now and how it would address them because quite often and a lot of the writers and that at this time used science fiction as a mirror where it mm. could be done much more subtly. People kind of didn't notice so much that they were having a theory, a principle, a idea or what have you given to them. Hmm. I like to point out that Villa was a hero as long as there wasn't drink, women or something shiny involved. <laughs> <laughs> or something yeah. scary. Or something scary, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a shame he didn't get more to do in the series. Yeah. Yeah. Often he's left back on the ship just with his bottle. Yeah. yeah. He gets a bit more to do generally in the audios. Which so is they, the, the character development wasn't as bad as Star Trek, where it was just Kirk, Spock and McCoy, and the rest might have well, might as well have been ciphers. But it no. could have done with a bit more giving everyone a fair crack of the whip. Mm. Yeah, I mean, even some of the leading characters, like Gareth Thomas playing Blake, he felt like he wasn't really getting enough interesting things to do in the series, which is why he left. And same with Sally Nivette playing Jenna. She really was underserved. Yeah. The problem yeah, we have when you... I mean, we've got it now. We've got a doctor and three assistants, and you have to kind yeah. of, like, lose an assistant. It's very difficult when you, when you, when you start to yeah. build up a cast to a certain point. You've either got to have the cast member of the week story, yeah. or they you have a little much. bit and spread it around across all of them, mm. and that way you then start yeah. to lose the ability to pull out much of their individual characters. I think that's always a problem when you have a large cast who are all, you're trying to make equal across the board. Yeah. And then you've got these powerful secondary characters like Serverland. Travis, original <laughs> Travis Serverland, yeah. who are taking a lot of screen time as well. Yeah. And also, you've, then, you've also got a competing element of the character of the inanimates, like Orak and Zen and the Liberator. Because oh, you yeah. don't take it into account, but sometimes yeah, the, the peripherals can be as much of a star of the show as the actors as well. Mm, particularly with Orak. Yeah. He was a bit of a scene stealer. He was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Even if he did have a voice change several times. <laughs> Incidentally, 
definitely. I think something I've just remembered is in the early noughties, we had uh, Sci-Fi UK redid the first couple of episodes on audio with a brand new cast. Hmm. Yeah, I do have those. Yeah. yeah, quite a big name cast. They were. They were. Well. Certainly, they including Colin Salmon. Yeah, and uh, I think he played Avery. Yeah, and, and Benedict Cumberbatch was in a couple of them. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, wow! Yeah. Before I knew him, it would have been a very early thing for him then. It would have been. It would have been. Okay. Sherlock. As always, we would like to know what you chaps and chapesses etc. think of Blake Seven. Please be nice, mm. <laughs> unless you didn't like it, in which case be horrible. But you can write to us via show at staggering stories dot net. And oh, you can always leave your comments or views on our Facebook oh, yeah. page. If you like. The Staggering Stories Facebook. Facebook page is out there for you to leave your comments. We would like nice ones. <laughs> <laughs> or we will you? block your asses. And now, deep from the depths of Southampton, we would like to introduce you to Thoughts from the Brain of Crumbly. Hello, Crumbly here with my, as I call it, getting a word in edgeways with fake teeth feedback. I'm here to share my thoughts about the hand of fear, or as I call it, the smell of fear. Now, to ask a question, who in their right mind would park a TARDIS in a quarry just as they're doing some blasting? Bonkers Tom Baker, of course. This episode is something of a landmark one as it sees the departure of Sarah Jane Smith and, uh, regretfully to say, her extensive wardrobe of 1970s fashion disasters. Who else would go up against Sontarans and Daleks wearing a bright yellow raincoat and a sou'wester looking for all the world like a hallucinogenic Paddington bear? Joe Grant might have been slightly deficient in the brains department, but at least she had a, a modicum of fashion sense albeit for the early 1970s. But Sarah Jane Smith's latest offering had them rolling in the aisles, facing an eons-old silicon life form whilst wearing an Andy Pandy outfit covered in red stars. is not advisable. However, it would have been flying off the clothes racks in communist China, though. After 150 million years stuck on Earth, the scientist Eldrat is back, and to say he's got the munches for hard radiation is something of an understatement. After he had finished with the atomic core of the uh, research facility he was locked in, you could have swam in the pool where the fish and oil material was kept and only get a mild dose of sunburn from what Cherenkov radiation was left. I must admit that the first incarnation of Eldrad was somewhat attractive, even with all the lumps and bumps of silicon dotted all over her body. The scenes where her hand entered the reactor room door and all the drives billowed out reminded me of stars in their eyes. Tonight, Matthew, I shall be an egotistical scientist who wiped out all, all surface life on his home planet and who's been uh, marooned on Earth for 150 million years. However, on a more serious note, he does find out, on arrival back on his home planet, to find out that his people would rather commit racial suicide than have him as their leader, thus show that even victory can be something of a hollow vessel. The parting of the ways between Sarah Jane Smith and the Doctor was, to my eyes, was something of a short uh, and rather peremptory affair, with the Doctor not really protesting at her departure. Most of the companions left unwillingly, but by that time, Sarah Jane Smith had had enough. However, the uh, coming back together again in school reunion more than made up for it, is all building bridges and parting on a more touching and valedictory manner. Now, onto the subjects of Blake Seven. With this, the future wasn't bright or even orange. It was dirty, dictatorial and dystopian. To say it was the very antithesis of uh, the future portrayed in Star Trek would, you know, would, would be more, more on the mark. The idea of a totalitarian society has been portrayed many times in book and movie, but the monolithic federation used space travel not for peaceful contact, but for conquest and control was something else. Rod Blake and his crew were not out to free the oppressed masses of the Federation in some massive altruistic gesture, not in the least. All of them had an extra grind with the Federation, and guerrilla warfare was the best way to do it. The crew of the Liberator were not united, and internal factions had different ideas of how to go about it. Blake's second-in-command, Kerr Avon, was very much motivated by desire to be leader. His cold, cynical and calculating manner made that possible in later series. Blake Seven was a leader in the fact that there were strong female characters in the form of Callie, who loved Blake from afar, Jenna Stannis, Sulin, and Dana. However, the femme fatale was Servalan, Supreme Commander, then later President of the Federation. She is beautiful, cunning, and deadly. 
In some episodes where she crosses swords with Avon, they both find qualities in each other they find horrifying and sometimes very appealing, attractive and seductive. Knowing that the crew of the Liberator could not, could not completely destroy the Federation, they engaged in guerrilla-style warfare, knowing that they were sometimes like a gadfly, delivering small but very irritating stings. Even though the final shootout of the uh, final episode has a lot of fans howling in outrage, Blake 7 can hold its head up high in its portrayal of a grim, dystopian future, along the likes of Brave New World and 1984. Thank you, Crumbly, for those thoughts. Yeah. Pray okay. like mad, he so didn't done. ask us a question. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you guys think? We have a bit of feedback. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. Just people <clears throat> are listening. Our first piece of feedback. Oh, no. Gene, no. He's what? glaring at the what? back of Adam's head. He is furious. You can see the back of Adam's oh. head actually smoking. Oh, my word. Yeah, we forgot him. Oh, nearly. We always forget him. I know, and he's getting fed up with it. He's so angry, he's actually unblurred himself. Yeah. Oh. yeah. yeah. Impressive. One, two, three. Hello. 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 And although we can't other see bits. you, hello to everything else. Yeah, we've got Terence up there. We've got Graham. Hi, Terence. Hello, Terence. The ashes of Graham are not knackered. His cardboard name is still okay. Oh, she's good, yeah. yeah. How's, how's Carl She's having a fine Clara? time. My constant companion. <laughs> Carl Clara, uh, she might be somewhere. You've recycled her, haven't you? Yeah. As a firelighter. I just grind her up a bit. She's very orangey, so it, it, it tastes quite nice if you add it to her. Did your mind just go where mine did, Jean? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's hear this feedback. We've got a letter from Misha. Hello, oh, yeah, Misha. Hi, Misha. Hello, team. Just a quick note to say I hope you're all keeping well and to thank you for your review of Attack the Block. I oh, just yeah. finished watching it and I thought it was a fun sci-fi romp. That's one yeah. way of describing it. <laughs> Mainly fun playing Spot the Location as it's filmed around where I used to live, but they've demolished oh. that estate now. Aww. Stay really safe well. in your bunkers. Love, Misha. Thank you, Misha. Thank you. We've also heard yeah. from... David Banner. Hello, ah, hi, David. David. He says, hello, all. Just wanted to say that Ooh. I'm still alive. That's good. That's Noticed good. that good, there hadn't good. been much feedback lately, so thought I'd drop you a note. Thank Things you. Things are okay <laughs> for me and the family. The lockdown hasn't good. affected me at all. Been to work every day. Oh. I work outdoors oh. and by myself, so only oh. difficult bit is when I go into customers' homes and they want to talk. <laughs> Have to remind oh, them right, to yeah. stay back. My wife and daughter are doing okay, although my daughter, now 11, where is the time gone, is getting lonely. (laughs) So we're doing a read-aloud Harry Potter marathon. That's good. Seeing as I'm at work, I do all the shopping, which Helen says is a bit like Ready Steady Cook, as she never knows what I've bought. (laughs) (laughs) Not watched much, but I finished Lock and Key on Netflix. It's very Buffy-like, isn't it? Hmm. I still haven't seen it yet. Also, Anne with an E. Not your remit, I know, but I love the show. Just started Another Life, about halfway through this, and I can't decide what kind of show it wants to be. Horror, soap, serious, what exactly? Hmm, Anyway, that's enough as I usually write too much. Till next time, love to you and all your families. David Banner. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. And the same to you. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've not heard of Anne with an E. I've seen it pop up on Netflix, but I haven't Is it Netflix? Yeah. clicked yeah. on it. It looks... It's obviously uh, not thought it's going to be in my uh, wheelhouse, I haven't. <laughs> but Another Life, that sounds familiar, but I haven't seen it. At first I had Afterlife in my head, but that's that Ricky Gervais thing, yeah. isn't it? That's Ricky yeah. Gervais. That's good, particularly season one, I recommend highly. Mm. Now, my, my addictive viewing is Wednesday evening, 8 o'clock repair shop. Nine o'clock, the sewing bee. I'm in heaven every Wednesday evening. We've, really? You watch live TV? We've gotten wow, to um, abandon engineering. <laughs> oh, yeah. And yeah. I'm I'm ridiculously bargain hunt. When I have, when I, oh, really? I, yes. stop, I stop work to have my lunch, so I flick the telly on and it's always bargain hunt. Mm-hmm. And 
Yeah. I'm looking at it thinking, I could do better than this. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. You should apply. Oh, no. Cameron, they've got you now. I know. Yeah. Daytime television. Yeah. Oh. Give me a credit card. Oh, no. Give me a credit card. Be, I'm mostly watching YouTube at the moment. Snap. I did catch up with all the reactions to Sapphire and Steel. Oh, yeah. Which you mentioned. Oh, that time. young yeah. woman. Yeah. She's very good, yeah. isn't she? Yeah. yeah, good fun. Yeah. Do we have any further feedback? Any audio feedback no i think that is it unfortunately oh that's a shame so by remote control is calmly going to take over the airwaves and lead us out first of all can we wish all our listeners the best yeah. hope you're staying safe mm. and well yeah and you and your families are all fine take care please yep, yep. stay Hopefully safe we're, uh, getting out of the side of it although it may be seen. Yeah. Lead us Lead out, us crumbly. And so, dear listeners, that brings us to the end of another podcast. Ah. But never fear. In the next one, there'll be more of the same. More fun, frivolity and jollity. More news and reviews. More who old and new. So, until that bodger comes bewildering, bamboozling, bewitchingly, blundering blindly towards us, this is me, Crumpy, saying, be seeing you. Farewell. Goodbye. Au revoir. Bye-bye. You have been listening to the Staggering Stories podcast, series one, number 343, featuring Adam J. Purcell, Andy Simpkins, Fake Keith, Gene Riddler, and The Real Keith Dunn. The views expressed here are those of the speaker and don't necessarily represent those of the other speakers on the site. No copyright infringement is intended, and this is an El Presidente production for www.staggeringstories.net. Right, can we just get the order here? <laughs> so it will okay. be Adam first, then me, then Jean, then you. Yeah, I okay. always come last. I know, I know. I, I insist on coming last. Dude. Last is my bit. Dude. <laughs> That's my skill. Yes, <laughs> He's a gentleman. He always lets the lady come guys, first. Guys, guys. <laughs> just a second. Hang on. Ow! <laughs> okay. Pain, no gain. <laughs> Sorry, this is for Adam. Ow! <laughs> Adam, shut up. <laughs> the station was a old nuclear power station. Whereabouts is that? South Gloucestershire. Okay. And it's decommissioned now. Did they break it? Well, not anymore. It all got drained. So obviously they broke it. Well, this is yeah. true, yeah. <laughs> it's like 1984 it decommissioned. So basically the year they were filming it. Adam, while you've got no, your tablet open, look up on YouTube... Don't Go Breaking My Heart by Elton John and Kiki D and look at what she's wearing and you'll see what I mean. Oh, I think uh, I have heard the song. She uh... even looks quite similar, doesn't she? <laughs> the, it does the, look a um... bit like it, doesn't she? <laughs> I watched the Goodbye Sarah Jane. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> What is he wearing when he goes to see Elton John? He wears everything. That, that's rather conservative for Elton John. It was. It was, <laughs> is it? It was in his laid-back period. <laughs> yeah, she's got uh, pink dungarees with a white shirt under it and a very Sarah Jane haircut. Yeah. When, when was this? 1976. We all had the Sarah Jane haircut back then. I think there's photographs of me with the Sarah Jane haircut. Uh, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you did. I've seen the pictures. <laughs> Elton attempts to teach Kiki a version of the hand jive, apparently. Oh. <laughs> well, there you go, there's another link. <laughs> and now... Bloody moths! <laughs> Talking. <laughs> and now... So... Will you stop speaking when I'm about to speak? <laughs> I was going to say, do we need to do a countdown and clap? No. Not yet. Done. And he's done the beginning of the outro. Did he get fed up with us messing about? I did listen to a bit of it, and he took three attempts to uh, <laughs> to get the ending right. <laughs> and it right was himself. just him without us interfering. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but never fear. In the next one, there'll be more of the same: more fun, frivolity, and jollity. More news. Uh, more who old and new. And um, Paul's take two. But never fear. In the next one, there'll be more of the same: more fun, frivolity, and jollity. More news. Yeah, old and new. Um, pause. Outro, take three.